0: was named the bounty. I was appointed to command her on the 16th of August 1787. Captain William Bly. Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and in today's episode, we set sail on a voyage of debunking some long-held maritime myths from the age of exploration. We'll find that historical revisionism is just as alive and unwell on the high seas as on dry land, so don't let the Hollywood or governmental accounts fool you. We start with one of the most famous mutinies of all time, the Mutiny on the Bounty. Most people today know about the Mutiny on the Bounty only from Hollywood films. The three most famous, being from 1935, with Clark Gable as Fletcher Christian and Charles Lawton as Captain William Bly, 1962 with Marlon Brando as Christian and Trevor Howard as Bly, and 1984 with that famous revisionist Mel Gibson as Christian and Anthony Hopkins as Bly. The very fact that in each case, the role of Christian is played by the biggest heart star at the time, shows how skewed the account will be from the very start. The standard line about the bounty story is that Captain Bly was a sadistic maniac who abused his crew to the point that a mutiny led by the loyal but conflicted Christian was inevitable. Bly's name has gone down in history among the greatest of tyrants, but he wasn't at all. As the records of the time show. The testimony of his own men tell the story of a captain who was extremely lenient for his day. Even the bounty's ship log shows that Bly issued verbal rebukes for offenses for which other captains would have ordered lashings, and that Bly ordered only the lash for crimes that would, under maritime law, normally mean a sentence of death. One example of this was when, after three crewmen who deserted to remain in Tahiti were captured, Bly had them flogged rather than hanged, which was the typical penalty for desertion. Furthermore, Bly and Christian were not antagonistic toward each other, at least not before the mutiny. Bly recommended to the British Admiralty that Christian be appointed master's mate on the bounty, and he later promoted him to acting lieutenant. The reason for the mutiny was not Bly's tyrannical ways, as he had none, but rather the mutineers' desire to remain in Tahiti with the women they met there. With sailors, some things never change. So why do we remember the event so wrongly, even after a court of inquiry completely exonerated Captain Bly? The answer is twofold. First, the Christian family has steadfastly, for 200 years, portrayed Fletcher as a man driven to mutiny by a tyrannical, even homicidal, Captain Bly. Second, Hollywood sided with this story, as did much of the British public in the years after the mutiny, and perpetuated the myth. But Fletcher Christian was no hero, and Captain Bly was no villain. Perhaps the greatest injustice of this revisionism is that the voyage Bly and 18 others completed as a result of the mutiny is largely forgotten. Placed in the bounty's longboat by the mutineers with a few supplies, almost no instruments, and no charts at all, Bly and those loyal to him were set adrift with the full expectation that they would die at sea. Yet Captain Bly navigated the longboat 3,600 miles across open ocean to Timor, using only a sextant, the stars, and his pocket watch. The 47-day voyage is acknowledged by historians, at least those who even know about it, as the greatest feat of navigation in maritime history. That is what we should remember him for, not Charles Lawton's brooding portrayal. Another maritime myth is one we've all bought into, the quote, fact that Captain James Cook discovered the east coast of Australia. It's somewhat ironic that Cook is lionized when he was, in fact, more brutal to his crew and to natives than the false portrayal makes Bly out to be. It was his attempted kidnapping of the King of Hawaii, after all, that led to his death there at the hands of the natives. In any case, Captain Cook was not the first European to discover Australia. I say European, because obviously the Aborigines beat him by about 40,000 years, and the Chinese were there by the 4th century BC. But when he reached Australia in 1770, he was also 164 years behind the Dutch explorer Willem Jansoon, who landed at the Gulf of Carpentaria in 1606. Two other Dutchmen also beat him, Dirk Hartog in 1616 and Abel Tasman in 1644. Tasmania is named after him. Cook wasn't even the first Englishman to land in Australia. That honor goes to William Dampier, a British pirate. So why does Cook get all the credit? The answer is simply a case of the victor writing the story. The British were, at the time, in fierce competition with the Dutch and were ultimately victorious. Britannia ruled the waves and much of the world, and the Dutch faded into the background. Britain wrote the history and made Cook the one who discovered Australia. They could have chosen Dampier, but a Royal Navy captain makes a better hero than a pirate. Finally, There's the persistent myth that Ferdinand Magellan was the first man to circumnavigate the globe. Unfortunately, this is as untrue as the other myths we tackled, but not through any fault of Magellan's. He simply had the misfortune of being killed by natives in the Philippines midway through the journey. However, one of his five ships and 18 of the original 270 crew actually did finish the voyage, returning to Portugal after three years. The captain of that remaining crew was Juan Sebastian Elcano. But as the voyage was planned, organized, and originally led by Magellan, he's the one we remember. Sometimes your vision is what gets you the credit. Well, that's our seafaring episode for the day. I hope you have clear skies and fair winds today. We'll see you next time.